0: If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The 7 Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. To get your free copy, just send a text to 44222 with the word 7HABITS. That's the number 7HABITS to 44222. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Brad Blazer. And he is the founder of Learn to Soar and The Art of Beliefology, which is a concept and program that helps individuals overcome limiting beliefs that are holding them back from their greater successes in life. He's also a captivating speaker and author of multiple books One of the books is number one rated book for young entrepreneurs called On the Wings of Eagles, Learning to Soar in Life. And then we'll talk a little bit about a new book that he's gonna have be releasing pretty soon, but I'll save that for the interview. Welcome to the show, Brad. Great, so glad to be here, Dennis. Yeah, thanks for coming. And today, just to tease everybody and to give everybody a sense as to what we're gonna talk about today is we're gonna talk about a topic that we've never talked about before and a little risque, but it's okay. And the topic is how to go from begging to growing big brass balls, right? It's about selling. It's about closing deals. It's about winning new clients. It's about asking the hard questions. It's about, and Brad's an expert at that and he's going to help us unpack that. But before he does, I'm going to have him tell a quick story of kind of how he got here because he's he started very young as an entrepreneur in an industry that typically doesn't entertain young entrepreneurs. So take it away. Tell us, give us a little backstory and then we'll dive right in. Well, thanks so
1: much for the opportunity to visit with your followers today. Yeah, my path to success is uh, quite different (laughs) than most individuals. Uh, I went to school with the intent of studying architecture and uh, graduating with an architectural background, really wanting to use that training and those skills to become a real estate developer. My dad was in real estate as an executive. And while I was in school in my senior year, I responded to an ad in the local paper there in Austin, Texas for a small company looking to hire uh, brokers to get on the phone, basically, code call. And solicit investment capital from high net worth accredited investors. And I became extremely, extremely proficient and extremely good at that. And uh, went from that company to a second company. And then ultimately, at the age of 23, right? 23 years old, most kids are graduating, getting their first job. I actually started my company and was catapulted into the oil and gas industry as the CEO and founder. Of an oil company that was drilling for oil and gas, and uh, in Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and really scaled that over the course of about a decade to a multi-million-dollar platform, where we were raising millions of dollars a month, investors across the country. I think at our peak we had about thirty-five employees, Dennis, on payroll. And then, uh, you know, as they say, the stuff started flying through the fan. In the late '80s, we had the tax reform act, we had collapsing oil prices, and so I just decided to come home one day and tell my wife that I made the decision to strategically consolidate and uh, dissolve the business, which we did over about a year and a half. As I like to say, I did it the right way. We never filed for bankruptcy. We just closely collapsed the business and shut the doors. And then uh, took about a year and a half off trying to discover myself and figure out what the next chapter of my life will look like. Went back to school, completed my degree in finance and emerged and asked myself, what is my hard skill? What am I really good at? and realized it was raising money and closing sales. And so I went to work for other people. And uh, in my career in sales, have raised north of $2 billion for myself and for others. And in doing so, have also closed the largest transactions for multiple companies. And in many cases, those sales records still stand today. And that's how we created basically the mega producer coaching program and the concept of you got to develop big brass balls to be an effective salesperson.
0: Love it. So today your business, you've pivoted out of the oil business and you've pivoted more into like a coaching type of business where you focus in on sales as one component. Then the other component is, what is it? Building your belief. It has, it's directly in line with the Wings of Eagles, right? That book? Absolutely. So really, there's three
1: parts of the business. One, of course, is as an author, pushing out content writing. The second is speaking, speaking at events across the country, whether it's as a keynote speaker or whether it's sharing the stage with other coaches and trainers. And then, of course, there is the coaching side of the business as well, where we have people that are basically enrolling in our coaching programs, which are the mega producer or the build your beast. And so there's really three components to what we do at Learn to Soar. I say the real thrust of it, of course, is speaking and coaching others to become more effective and to reach a higher plane of success.
0: All right. So let's get a little bit micro into your business today, right? You built a multi-million dollar oil business. Tell me a little bit about your business today. Is it six figures, seven figures, eight figures? Can you give us a sense as the size or scope of your business, whether that be revenue or percentage growth or something? Give us an idea of the size of your business today.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are scaling right now. We're over the next 12 months. Uh, we'll more than likely be a seven-figure business. Okay. Uh, the goal, of course, with that is to continue growing. We're at the point in our size now where we're basically adding new uh, systems, new structures, bringing new people onto the team. So it's not just myself. I'm not just a one-man show. I've got people that are doing content. I've got people that are basically handling all the social media accounts. I've got closers now. That are constantly talking to people that are in our feeder system, which is basically our pipeline of leads, people that have expressed interest in what we're doing, closing them on the coaching services. And so, really, the intent is to scale what we're doing to grow from a seven figure business to hopefully an eight figure business over the next three to five years as we basically take our message internationally. I mean, you know, like your podcast here, I've been to some of the biggest podcasts around the globe. I was talking to Caro, she's in Portillo, Chile, yesterday on her podcast talked to Dennis Brown, Addicted to Success over in Australia. And so the community of people that are following us is now growing internationally. And the great thing, as you know, with podcasts and webcasts is you can become a coach where you no longer have to sit across a table one-to-one or be doing it live in your local market. I can do a coaching podcast and literally have 50 people around the globe dialing in on a specific date or a specific time to get the coaching that they've actually paid for.
0: Yeah, perfect. Love it. So getting a little bit more micro into your business, you know, I know a lot of you, most of your businesses is around speaking and writing and coaching. I know coaching is a big part of that. What's the number one strategy that you're using to get new clients for your coaching business? Is it some sort of paid ads? Is it organic social media? Is it speaking? Is it, I mean, influence, what are you using or what's the strategy that's filling that pipeline up? It's a great question. As a business owner, we use all of the above. I'd say really, there are
1: three that are working very, very effectively for us. And so just to highlight those three, number one, it's social media, becoming a social media ninja and being very visible across multiple platforms. It's not good to be visible on one and basically turn your back to the others. So literally every day, you'll see new content coming out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. The second is understanding how to use funnels to move people forward in that process. One of the things that I believe in sales is you always want to be moving people to an event in the future, right? So if we're having a conversation about coaching and there's some hesitancy, Dennis, why don't you come to our free event next week? Love to have you audit the course. If you like it, great. If not, that's fine as well. And so I'm always moving people to events in the future as we move that funnel process forward. The other is speaking. As any speaker or any coach will tell you, getting on stage is a great way to communicate your message because traditionally what happens is people will come to the back of the room, buy your books, talk to you about, you know, hey, I like your message. I like what you're doing. How can I sign up? How can I get coached? And then really the third is just outreach. Working with local businesses here in the Houston area, going to them and saying, you know, hey, we know that you have a sales team. How are you training your people? Is it effective? What can we do possibly to add value in that process for you? And so it's really, as I say, pouring gasoline on all of those things and understanding as some of them are working, what's working well, and then just basically just adding more fuel to that fire so it
0: really grows at a much, much faster rate. Gotcha. So if I put your feet to the fire and you could only pick one of those three or four that you mentioned, what would the one be? The one really that has worked the best for us is the use of the social media. Great. Awesome. Perfect. All right, cool. So, before we dig into the content here and teach people how to grow big brass balls, which I'm always interested in learning how to do, I have a kind of a couple new questions that I haven't really asked a lot of guests and I'm just kind of introducing them here. So, I'm curious. In one minute or less, what's one skill that you have that you think has helped you most to become successful? If you had to pick one skill, that one skill, what is that skill?
1: I think the one skill that has helped me the most is the ability to take action on my goals and my dreams. It's unfortunate, but Harvard did a study many years ago and found that less than 3% of the population has actually taken the time to physically write down their goals and put them on a piece of paper. That 3% out-earns the other 97% combined, 10x. Imagine that. If you just take the time to write your goals down on a piece of paper, the power in doing that. The problem is that most people have goals and things they want to do in life, Dennis, but they never take action. They never move forward. And so as Mark Cuban says, there's a huge difference between being a entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur. And so I think for me, the one thing as you've asked is to really just take action and realize I'll figure it out along the journey. I don't need to have all the answers of being a business owner up front when I get started. And so the message I really think that I want to share is just take action, man. You got to keep moving forward in life and always constantly be challenging yourself and falling into your fears.
0: All right. And here's another question. What's one thing that you suck at that most people would be shocked about?
1: <laughs> I suck on detail, man. I hate paperwork. I, I am not a man that manages minutia. I'm more of a concept, big picture guy. And so I push all of the the paperwork and all of the detail-oriented stuff off to other people that just love doing that stuff.
0: Love it. Perfect. All right. So now let's dive into the meat and potatoes of what we're going to talk about today, which is how to go from begging into growing a set of big brass balls. So I'm going to have you unpack that for us. I know you got a a few tips and strategies on how to get started, how anybody can literally do this. And then I think there's a resource at the end that you're going to direct people to where after the podcast, they can actually consume it, you know, on their own time and maybe be able to digest it a little bit better as a takeaway. So from there, unpack it and we'll go from there.
1: Absolutely. You know, in running a business and having salespeople work for me and of course, in coaching others, one of the things I found is that most people that are business owners or that are in sales are very reluctant to make those outbound calls, whether it's code calling or just reaching out to people. And uh, I I refer to that as uh, developing what I call the prey drive simply because the, the coaching program we run is called Build Your Beast. And so by becoming a beast, one of the things that you develop through that program is this innate prey drive where you're constantly closing, you're constantly asking for business. The problem is that most people in sales don't do that, right? They want to be very friendly. They want to be very cordial. When somebody says, you know, hey, let me think about it. Hey, no problem. Let me send you an email with some additional information. I'll call you back next week. And what happens? The guy recognizes your caller ID. One week turns into two weeks. And before you know it, the guy's in that black hole of eternity and you never close. And so we're training people constantly how to develop this prey drive and how to have big bass balls in that closing process so that they're talking Two people as an individual of authority, realizing that there's plenty of people out there to be talking to, and if one person doesn't close, you just say next, and you realize you're just one
0: call closer to a successful transaction. Yeah. So one part of it that I just pulled from that is you got to get out of that scarcity mindset that every lead has to close. There's plenty of opportunities out there. Correct. You know, you just gotta you just gotta tap into them. So you got to get out of that scarcity mindset. And then the other thing is you talked about the prey drive, right? I want to take pull that apart a little bit because before we hit record, we talked a little bit about, I see two types of sales strategies a lot. One is the Alec Baldwin, 1980s, always be closing, you know, hammer. And then you got the other guy on the other end of the spectrum, which is such a soft sell that he never asked for the business and it literally has to be a layup. Otherwise he's never going to get a sale because he never asked for the business. I think that prey drive, having that prey drive is somewhere in between, right? I mean, you're not that guy that offends everybody, but you're also not, you're not a guy who's willing to have a strong, you're, you're also a guy who's willing to have a strong posture and maybe ask some hard questions and maybe challenge your prospect at times. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. The prey drive is really
1: defined as the ability to optically see something and then go forward and uh, go for it it's prevalent in, you know, dogs, it's prevalent in your larger cats, the lions and tigers. And so what I explain to people is, look, if you've got this friendly little dog as a pet, and it's a lap dog, and you were to give that dog to me, and I gave it to somebody that trains the Rottweilers and the German Shepherds, right, and the Doberman Pinschers, and develop that dog's prey drive, and then gave it back to you, you would not want to spend more than five to 10 minutes in the same room with that dog because now that dog is a trained killer. And so you have to understand that prey drive is innate in all of us. It's just that it's been suppressed and it's down here in our subconscious. I use an expression that most salespeople have, and that is, man, quit selling the flirt, right? Quit flirting with people. Get into prey drive mode and constantly be asking those closing questions throughout the sales process. And so prey drive is something that can be triggered in individuals by competition, where people are of a competitive spirit. It can be triggered through fear, where the fear of loss, you've maintained this lifestyle where you're doing extremely well And you recognize that if you're not constantly out there hustling and if you're constantly not out there closing and asking for the sale, your lifestyle, of course, is going to wane and you might lose those things that you've attained in life. Another way to develop that prey drive is to be inspired by other people around you, people that are more successful. Man, I want that and I I want those things. And so you're inspired by other people. And then, of course, another way to develop the prey drive is uh, through embarrassment. You just, you don't want to be embarrassed. And so I tell the story basically where I was talking to Michael Irvin, of course, the NFL cowboy, where his job on the team was to go out and really meet and interact with the other players. And uh, he tells a story of one day where he was actually at the home of one of the other players and this guy was holding his newborn baby, just rocking him in his arms. And you could just see the love in that new father's eyes. And throughout the 45 minutes that Michael was there, this guy just did not put down that child. And so in one of the Cowboy games where they were actually playing the Redskins, he just felt that this guy wasn't giving it his all. And he looked over and he said, man, is that all you can give for that beautiful little girl of yours back home? I thought you had more in you than that. And he said, man, the next quarter, that guy was on fire and there was not a offensive lineman that was able to break through the line because what he did is he pushed the triggers that developed that prey drive in that other player by
0: challenging him a little bit and making him somewhat uncomfortable. Yeah, I like that. I like that, you know, how you broke it down with competition. You know, you're just wanting to be able to sustain your lifestyle. And, you know, I think that's a, I think that's a really interesting piece. So, I mean, that prey drive is something that I, I agree. I think it is missing. I think it is missing in a lot of organizations. You have to be able to ask hard questions. You have yeah, to be able to challenge people. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that, right? I mean, you know, there's you have to have a certain amount of tact. You have to be a good read. You have to read the right time to do it. So, there's a lot of timing involved. But I definitely think it's a trainable skill. So I love the fact that that's something you focus in on with your clients. So, all right, cool. What else do you want to add about this whole concept of growing big brass balls? I know you had some interesting stories, you know, about kind of the history of how you got here and how you recognize the importance of having that. Anything else you want to share before we close out? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, You know, I'll, I'll share the same story with your listeners that I shared with you. And that is, you know, how you develop these big brass balls is you have to realize in sales, You have to speak from a position of authority. You have to really have a strong conviction in what you're selling and a strong belief in what you're doing. And so I tell the story and kind of how I developed this whole concept of when I was in the oil business and, of course, had my company. I was talking to this very wealthy, very affluent doctor. He was a retired brain surgeon and I knew that he had a lot of uh, affluence. He came out to see us, he flew out in his private jet. And so for whatever reason, the guy just would not close. He just would not commit. And I don't know if it was the reluctance because he understood the risks in drilling for oil. Certainly there is the chance of drilling a dry hole and losing your entire investment. But I got to a point one night where I was speaking to him and I used the analogy as I'm training other people And that is to envision yourself climbing up the ladder to the high dive the very first time at the neighborhood pool and climbing out to the end of the diving board and having that hesitancy because it looks much higher than it actually is and looking behind you and realizing you can't go back down the ladder because now there's a line of kids behind you. And so really, it's just that little nudge. It's that push you need sometimes. And so finally, one night, I just said to this guy, Dr. Schmack, it takes two things to invest in an oil well. And he said, what? And I said, it takes big balls and lots of money. Which of the two don't you have? And when I said that, Dennis, I bit my tongue didn't realize what came out of my mouth. But after what seemed like an eternity, the guy said, Brad, tell me again, how many three units in your program are? And I said, go get your checkbook. I'll tell you how to fill out the paperwork. And he became one of our best investors ever. And I think there, I realized that you have to develop these big brass balls and have the courage and have the strength inside of you to sometimes say things like that, to challenge the other individual to prove to you, that they are worthy and they are capable of becoming a customer and a client and moving forward in that process. So that's how I came up with the concept, develop big brass balls and more importantly sometimes challenge others to see if they have them too. Yeah, you know my
0: takeaway from that is that you have to have and I'm a, and I'm a big believer in this. You have to have what I call a strong posture. So think about it physically. You know, you walk into a room and you're all hunched over and your eyes are down on on the floor and you're kind of almost look defeated versus a person who walks into the room, they got a good posture, their heads up, they're smiling, they've got, you know, they're, they're in more of a power position. And it's the same thing when you're talking to people in sales, you have to have a strong posture. So I love that, that whole concept. I mean, now again, there's a difference between having a strong posture and being arrogant, right? right. Nobody likes an asshole, right? You, the world is full of assholes. We don't need more of that. But having a strong posture and being arrogant are two different things. And again, that's something that takes training, coaching, repetition, and a certain amount of it, I agree, is innate, you know, that prey drive and having that ability to have a strong posture. But I think some of those things are definitely missing in the business world these days. I think there's been a, a too much of a departure to the soft side, and you have to have a little bit of that killer instinct, right, when it comes to sales. I just, I, the best salespeople in the world have that, they have that killer instinct. Again, they're not arrogant, but they know when and how to push those buttons and to get people over the hump.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's taking the time as a salesperson or as a business owner to write down five to seven, what I call closing sentences. These are sentences like, Dennis, it sounds to me like you want to do this. What's holding you back from getting started today on a scale of one to 10? Are you at a two or are you at an eight? What's holding you back from moving forward? Have you seen enough to make a decision? And memorizing what I call those five to seven closes and literally knowing them inside out and allowing yourself to jab throughout that sales conversation, asking for small trial closes so that you're getting yeses along the way. When you finally go for that big knockout at the end, you're closing the sale and you're using those five to seven closing lines that are not, like you said, arrogant. You're not being an asshole. You're just saying, it sounds to me like you really want to do this. What's holding you back from getting started and doing it today? Yeah, And if there is an objection, drilling down to what that actual objection is so that you can isolate it. But nine out of 10 times, if you're constantly closing and you're constantly moving forward at the end, the close is really so, so simple.
0: Love it. Perfect. Well, listen, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask you two more questions. Let's do it rapid fire and then we'll close it out for today. Number one, what is your favorite growth tool or software? Maybe a SaaS product or an app or some sort of tool that you're using To grow your business, if you had to pick one, what would it be?
1: Absolutely, Uh, the one that we use big time is a Calendly to schedule meetings, schedule calls. We use that daily in our business. A big believer of time management, I actually block out time on my calendar for myself because I know if I don't do it for myself, shit ain't going to get done. And so the first appointment on my calendar every day is fitness center to get my workouts in. (laughs)
0: Love it. And number two, the last question is, what's one of your favorite books? Something you would recommend to the audience? Do you think them would take them from where they're at today to where they want to be next year?
1: <laughs> You're asking a loaded question. Aside from my own, of course, uh, yeah. on the wings of eagles, learn to soar in life, which was recently rated as the number one book for young entrepreneurs. Another great read that I absolutely love is the book uh, Winning by Jack Welch. You know Jack, of course, uh, General Electric. Uh, it's a great, great book and a great read, and he touches upon so many things in that book. The title of it is Winning by Jack Welch.
0: Love it. Well, listen, Brad, let everybody know how they can connect with you, get your On the Wings of Eagle book, but then also you can, if you want, you can kind of talk a little bit, take 30 seconds to talk about the new book that's coming out this fall if you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the new book is called A Blueprint for Your Better Self. It'll be out here in approximately another month. We're just finalizing the details with the publishing company, but uh, that really is the how-to. So the first book, On the Wings of Eagles, Develops the concept called the art of beliefology. That is, if you change your beliefs, you change your future. Your today's don't have to be your tomorrow's. And it shares the messages from many great thought leaders I've worked with or interacted with over the last seven years. People like Kevin O'Leary, Joe Namath, George Bush, Magic Johnson, Rudy Rudiger, amongst others. The blueprint book, which is coming out here shortly, is the how to. It's the secret sauce. It's how do you actually change your beliefs and create new habits. People can follow me on all social media. The website's real simple. It's just www.bradblazar.com. My last name is spelled B like boy, L-A-Z like zebra, A-R. The other easy way to follow us is we've created a landing page where you can link up to our Facebook or LinkedIn our Pinterest and follow us with all the podcasts. And that is simply myurls.co.com. U-R-L-S, my, backslash brad blazar and that is the easiest way to follow us and to get connected as a follower in our beast online community
0: perfect and i'll also put a link to that uh, linkedin post that you have that talks a little bit more how to grow big brass balls i'll put that in the show notes as well really appreciate you being here brad and i'm sure we'll talk again soon great thank you so much i appreciate it as well listeners i want to thank you for tuning in i truly appreciate your time If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.